Holy crap, it's the Breakfast Club. You know what I got for Christmas? It was a banner freaking year at the Tiger House. I got a carton of cigarettes. Old man grabbed me and said, hey, smoke up, Tony. They're great, bastard. Once again, to Sin and Beef Podcast, I am your host, Gary Hill, and with me tonight is uh, the host of the Motion Picture Massacre, Vaughn. How you doing, sir? Very good. How are you? Doing great, man. Um, in case the folks don't know you, uh, tell the folks some stuff about yourself. Okay, so technically my show's on a hiatus right now, um, but there's about 172 episodes of it you can listen to. Um so my show is about the deep little crevices of cult exploitation, horror, um, comedy, pretty much anything that's to do with kind of cult cinema, I guess you can say. Um, but I kind of try to delve a little deeper to kind of stuff that maybe you may have not have seen or may have been told about. But, you know, it's just kind of inkling where you're just like, eh, you need a little bit of a push. And that's that's where I come in, you know. Great. So. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that's why I listen to the podcast, because um, I let folks tell me what to watch, basically. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've seen so much, and it's always good to find out that there's more stuff out there to watch. Oh, I know. There's I must listen to a crap lot. I mean, I listen, I listen to your stuff, too. I, like, I listen to the Cinema Beef, at least. I have, when, you show, when you added me to that two-drink minimum thing, I actually started downloading those. And I can listen to co- those kind of commentaries just without the movie, because most of the movies you, you have picked on there, I'm like, oh, I've seen this, I've seen this, so... I just I can just kind of in the back of my head I can kind of play the movie as I'm listening to you guys talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. So is there anything you uh, you've seen that stood out lately? Anything you've seen that was really bad lately? Bad? Yeah. Uh, no. Um. No. I try, the thing is I try to I try to hold back from watching stuff that's like that either I think is particularly horrible. Like if I find something that I I I just don't like I don't I don't ever watch it again. Um. But there's some stuff that I have that I've like I'm because I'm, I'm trying to clear out my collection and stuff like that. So I'm going through DVDs and I'm watching stuff just to be like, okay, why do I own this? Why do I own this? And um, there was like, what the hell? When um, I don't know, have you heard of Machine Girl and uh, Tokyo Gore Police and whatnot? Uh, all those yep, yep. The Sushi Typhoon stuff. Well, they, they they're doing all those kind of films, and then there's some films that pop up every once in a while. They're kind of in that same vein. Um, there's a film called uh, Samurai Princess, which I remember seeing the trailer for this. Online, I was like, "Oh, this can be awesome!" Because it's just, it's just this gory, gooey, freaking madness. Um, and then when you watch the film, and they, and they has those kind of moments, but but besides like the the the, the kind of other ones like Tokyo Gore Police and you know, and Machine Girl, where they have the kind of goofiness where you can kind of giggle at the stupid shit that they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of random, like just oddball crap going on. And this one, they're trying to do that, but trying to still base it in some kind of reality. And not like not be like an ultra violent comic book, you know. They're trying to keep that idea of the ultra violent comic book style, like just people with the weirdest, weird looking things, you know, weapons coming out of like their arms and their elbows and their in their buttholes and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to keep it in like some kind of feudal Japan era, and you're like, okay, that because it just kind of slows it down when they try to do these weird interactions, and like, oh, uh, okay. And I don't know. I must have bought the DVD just because I was like. I saw the trailer. I was like, "Oh, I have to have it!" And now it's just sitting on the shelf with everything else that has to that has to go, because <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, this is terrible." 
<laughs> they just put me to sleep, and I was like, oh, why did I buy this? It's weird the way they, they make those movies. It's um, like they had the period piece ones, like a yeah. lot of the Jet Li ones, a lot of the Jackie Chan ones that they didn't make here, which is a crazy amount, or a lot of those are period pieces, but they try to mix the two with the period piece with the, the gore picture. That just yeah. sounds too weird or clash to put together, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't work at all. But I, I've seen one called, uh, what was it called? Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl or something. Yeah, I have that. I like that movie. That movie's fun. But just wacky stupidity, yeah. <laughs> that's, and that's the, same kind of, that's the same group of guys. Where it's like, oh, you know, you're getting, you know, you're getting into it when you, when you, when it starts, and it's just, it's just madcap and just zany through the whole damn ninety minutes or whatever how long it is, and with this film, it's just like there's just pieces where it just slowed down to nothing. Yeah, you don't need that. It's a guy all deformed telling like a story, and you're like, oh my, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even like that funny or anything. It's just like, uh, yeah. What have you liked lately? Um, I just saw Guardian of the Galaxy, like maybe like a week ago. Okay, I really liked that, and I was I was waiting for you know just for everything to die down because like I know a lot of people I listen to have been gushing about it. Um, my one friend saw it like three times in the theater, and he's been gushing about it. And I'm just like I'm just gonna wait until everybody stops talking about it, and then I'll go see it. And I'm kind of happy I waited because I let all the kind of positivity crap and everything else, like people who also kind of hated it, like all that crap kind of like slipped through my mind. And I just kind of sat in the theater and just watched this thing. And I was like, all right, yeah, I can see where everybody's coming from. It's actually pretty fun. Yeah, I haven't interacted yeah. with too many folks that said it was bad. They, they, they didn't like it. You know, this is it's a James Gunn movie made for basically his, his fans, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, you I had Lloyd Coffin for Christ's sake. Yeah, I saw when I saw him, I was like, oh, that's awesome. But like I know a couple of people who don't like his work, who don't like Slither, and didn't like Special because like Slither is it's kind of like a it's kind of a remake and takes a lot of the kind of cues from that film. Uh, and Special, there was a whole bunch of other films made at the same time. Uh, no, super his name. There's a there was a movie there was a, there was an independent movie called Special, uh, which is kind of the similar thing, but the guy's got like instead of being Going out there pretending to be a psycho, uh, superhero, he has like a psychosomatic issues and he thinks he's a superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's that film Defender that came out around the same time. So there was like all these other films that were coming out around the same time that a couple of people I know were like, oh, he's just he's just continuing on that ban- on that on that train. And it's just like, eh. and I like him as a as a writer, like ever since like Tromeo um, and Juliet, yep. I kind of liked him. So I'm always kind of interested when he when he does a screenplay, even though I don't particularly care for um, that. What is it? Dawn of the Dead remake he wrote. Like I thought there's some things to it. I just didn't care for that movie altogether. But like the Scooby Doo movies and pretty much anything else he's done, I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of all there for. Yeah, people bitch yeah, about the Scooby Doo movies or the ones that yeah. never watched an episode before in their life, probably because they they run like that, you know. Yeah, no, those films are probably the best adaptions of. Of any comic book, of any cartoon movie, like, like they had those two terrible Flintstone movies, which just got awful, and like those are probably the best out of those kind of Hanna Barbera type of wacky wackadoodle kind of cartoons, where it just hits it right on the mark. Both those films. Uh, I think Speed Racer did it the best, in my in my humble opinion. You know, at oh. all of them, but um, that's, I'm I'm talking crazy probably, but uh, no, no, I'll, I'll agree with you there. I, I I'm a big fan of Speed Racer. And when that movie came out, I was like, this is fucking, this is it. This is the best thing ever. Like, cause like I grew up with those cartoons, like watching them on like MTV at like, and like on Saturday nights, like when they used to do big chunks of it. And I was like, wow, this is just on top, like just straight up the best thing. And everybody hated that movie. The people I went with all were like, you're nuts. I'm like, I'm like, I'll show you. Like I, you know, pulled out the DVDs and showed them the show and they're like, okay, maybe you got a point. Oh boy! Yeah, tonight um, we're doing two very two very different films. Yeah, but um, about as different as you can get actually. <laughs> uh, the first one we're doing is uh, my guest film, which is the uh, Troma distributed, I believe, distributed this film. That's where I first heard about it. Uh, the Taint, I think from 2011, right, right around there. Yep. Yep. And uh, we're doing the John Hughes uh, teen angsty. You know, whatever, the Breakfast Club from uh, the early '80s. You know, the one, the one you know and love, or either hate. In Bond's oh. case, hates. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we'll get right into the taint uh, right after the trailer here. 
stop anything ever again. The Taint from 2011. There's no plot synopsis on here, so basically, I'll read what somebody wrote on IMDb. The water is tainted. The taint poisons the minds of men, turns them into raging misogynists. Monsters who want nothing more than to crush women's heads with rocks and other objects. When society is transformed into a land of sadistic violence and horrible brutality, it's up to Phil O. McGinney, ridiculous fucking name, and his, <laughs> and his hot friend, Miss Andra, what a stupid fucking is man, retarded, to co co combat the evil, horrible evil that is the taint. Can they survive a world brimming with castration and endless head crushing? <laughs> that's probably the best like synopsis for this film ever. Because that's all it is. It's just craziness. Yeah. And, I, and some guy constantly changes sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> From the thinking ones, the white ones, to the I need to do business black ones. It's fucking awesome. It's <laughs> From that, the, the get go from that film, as it just it, when it starts, when you get out of the beginning of the you know the, the 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 crawl, and you have him sitting there with some chick, and there's a guy like a hillbilly dude walking around with a scythe, just random, and he all of a sudden he just shows up to them, and he, you know, he's running after good old, uh, he's running after good old Phil with a poop falling out of his pants. You're like, just fucking, that's great. I I, I, I I'm in right there. I'm I can't do anything else. I'm gonna sit down. And like some like some people watch like uh, Heat, and they're like, oh my god, okay, I got to sit here and watch this for two and a half hours. This film, whenever time I put it on, it's just like, all right, I can't, I can't do anything else. No, I don't care if we're eating dinner. The house is on fire. I'm watching the movie. Just look, right, it's great. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, the taint to me was um, I got turned on to it because uh, it was something Troma was putting out. Yeah, and I'm a big Troma fan, so when they I see the stuff that they're not necessarily making, but. They're distributing. I'm always curious, you know, what it is or what it's all about. I'm always more curious with when they when they decide to pick something up and release it. I'm like, when two guys like you know, it was a Drew Balduke and a this fucking other name, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Dan Nelson. You know, they wrote and conceived this whole damn thing. And you know, when they uh, they they showed it, I I saw it here actually in a theater in Jersey because um, every once in a while the tra trauma does their trauma. What the fuck's that called? The trauma dance stuff, mm -hmm. and they do it here. They do it in the, they do it in Jersey every once in a while, and they showed that during one of them, and I was just like, oh, this is awesome. But I got to see this film before that because they were selling DVDs prior to Trauma getting it, and that's the DVD I have. Oh wow! And, oh. Yeah, like they were selling. Like, so I have one of the one of the old original DVDs. I never even got, I never even got a chance to pick up the one that that Blu-ray that uh, Trauma put out before it went out of print. Um, and now I'm kind of kicking myself because I want to actually have it. I don't know. I don't think it'll look any better than the DVD I have because X looks pretty good on my uh, playing off my Blu-ray player. But I don't know. Just to see that kind of stupidity on Blu-ray would be like, it's just oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But with yeah. like, with Troma, when Troma decides to take the take the dive and actually not let Lloyd, you know, direct the film, and they say, okay, we're going to give these guys a couple of bucks. We'll we'll buy the film off them. We'll do whatever we want with the release, but we'll we'll buy the film off them because we. We want to support them, and it's it's probably it's it's probably one of the best non-trauma films made in the last ten years. Yeah, I can agree yeah. there. Yeah, I'm big, because I'm big, I'm, it hits I'm, every friggin' thing that trauma is known for. Oh yeah, oh yeah. bad dialogue, mm -hmm. crazy people for no apparent reason. You know, because they're just yeah, random head crushing. Ra ra yeah. Random head crushing. Yes, definitely. You get to see it all in in its uh. Whatever they're using, probably some kind of melon or paper mache or something, like, really, something really shitty looking, you know. But uh, yeah, because people's heads cry, break open way too fast in this fucking movie. <laughs> oh man, yeah, you got to see, yeah, these characters in this film though. Dude, that's what got me. Like you know, you see this this dopey guy who is a, is our hero in a way, but our 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 whatever guy in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he really wasn't a hero at all. He's just kind of like this this loner, this 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 slacker who just kind of fell into this with this this chicky who uh, I forget what the line was, but and I forget I forget how her boyfriend died now, but uh, her her fiance was something about yeah. people who who aren't in love are a bunch of faggots or some shit like that. He says. They're not what the hell? yeah what the hell again now I gotta think about it what the hell's the line um and then you know we're so in love the people who aren't in love and loving us are yeah are faggots like when they're like just true faggots like and like and he just kind of turns because he drinks the tainted water tries to attack her and he she picks like a glass off the counter and smacks him in the head with it and instead of just getting clunked in the head his head just evaporates eviscerates <laughs> yeah, it's like those crazy effects in this movie you know. Which I don't, know, I don't know what the budget was of this movie, but I doubt it cost very much to make. It just seems like one of those friend projects where we got a bunch of actors. Well, I, I'm using the term actor loosely because, you know, they have a bunch of people who wanted to be in a movie. We, we weren't paying them very much, or if anything at all. And they, get, yeah. they got their locations and, you know, they they, they they let's make a movie. And they, they succeeded into producing this just long enough in 75 minutes movie, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um. Any parts that stood out to you at all? Stand out? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. Because... Um, the whole... Um, the whole recap story with the uh, scientist. You know how you get... That's one of the one of the more standout parts for me. Is Because um, you get all these kind of weird characters introduced and they all get their own little backstory. Um, like we just talked about with Misandra's backstory and how she figured it all out um you get the the gym teachers kind of screwy backstory kind of rocky impersonation uh, montage going on yeah, yeah. But, but when you're introduced to the scientist and he's kind of mad you know his madness like the way he looks he's covered in like some kind of weird japanese mask and he's got a claw ham he's got a claw hand um and he's just running around ripping people's faces off and he drags them back to his little like the basement of his friend's house yeah yeah <laughs> Where he could just drink wine and go crazy, and then he explains his whole backstory, which is probably a good twenty minutes of the film, <laughs> at least. At least, yeah. And it's just it just the madness that goes on with there with the whole like the father is like, oh, you know, whatever tale you guys don't take, you know, give it to old dad. He's like, <laughs> before he goes ballistic and starts killing them. <laughs> I don't know. The, the thing is, like, the story is such a, a simple friggin' thing where it's just all it is is just okay. Let's let's do a film where you know. Where like the water gets tainted and the guys, you know, and and it only affects men, and it causes them to go ballistic, with their, you know, their erect penises out running around jizzing on things and hitting women in the head with rocks or twigs or throwing them off bridges or lighting them on fire. Yeah, this is it's by far the by nastiest blue cocky porn you've ever seen in life, but non boot <laughs> not porn at all. It's just you know a bunch of dudes like with uncontrollable ejaculation problems, you know, craziness. Yeah. And like the the whole thing, like I, the one thing that really kind of stands out to me is the, is the score. The score is kind of this weird hybrid of like Nintendo video game scores and kind of like I said, like with the, the gym teacher has this kind of, you know, this epic kind of manly Rocky esque kind of song that plays through his whole uh, his whole montage. You'll see when he's working out because most of that montage is him just him pumping iron and you know, wrestling with guys and pushing his girl, his girlfriend over, <laughs> you know, it's just like, or like going nuts. Like he doesn't even like, he's like one of those full misogynists. Like he's not, he didn't get tainted by the water. He just went ballistic on her cause he couldn't handle her crying and like beats her to death with a, with a lamp. <laughs> and you're like, and it keeps, and it cuts to a back, another flashback in his life when he was a kid. Cause his father would beat his, his mother and he was like, Oh, you know, it's totally fine. Like and with the, Holding the holding the uh, the belt in his hand as he's snapping it, and it's like what the <laughs> like flashback within a flashback within a flashback. It's just like okay, that's just totally fucking bonkers, but that works. Yeah, the, yeah, this whole movie is bonkers. It's, yeah, which is you know the whole thing with the the explanation, the twenty minute explanation of what the taint is and how they created the taint and all that stuff. That's what takes me out of the movie actually. Oh, so yeah? it, it it hurts in my opinion. It, it could be it could have been like a little five minute thing. Like let's, let's oh, sit yeah. down well, with this guy with the mask and tell him a story, you know. And uh, yeah, when they when they explain that they're making a an erectile uh, dysfunction medicine, and they're they're able to sell it to some wacky Japanese guy who um, is he's either talking to himself or he's talking to them, you know, in some scenes. 
We're like, what did you say? He's like, oh, no, no, nothing, nothing. And he's kind of just kind of like, and it's just like, and then you get that, that commercial that's in there with the Nazis. So, yeah. <laughs> Where the fuck? And it's like, okay, that's great. And it's like, they automatically, like, but like the guy they sold the, the medicine, the, the idea to, he's already figured out that the medicine causes everybody to go nuts and kill people. So he's already getting gotten it all set up for the them to taint the water before they figure it out. Like as once the only reason they figure it out is because the father kills the other guy, which is played by the same the same guy, uh, Drew Ball Duke, who plays Phil, plays that one just with a different wig on. Um, it's just the same guy with different glasses and a wig, and it's like oh he and then he figures out he runs back to them and like oh too late and then presses the button and like it's like all hell's breaking loose. And, and and within the film, I think Sandra says it at one point. She goes, "It's been twelve days," and like he hasn't. So so our so our main hero here hasn't had a drink of water in twelve days. <laughs> so it's like okay. And then like at one point he's like, "I'm I'm so thirsty." <laughs> it's like really. <laughs> it's, it's so like then there's, there's some great lines. Like there's this line when he first sees everything after he meets Miss Sandra. And he sees a woman running in a pond and like a like a stream, and he's being she's being chased by two women, two other guys, and they kill her and like slam her head into a rock, and he just falls on his knees and goes, "But she was so hot!" Like, and you're just like, "Oh man, that's just that's that's great. I love it." He had a like, shot, he had shot man. Oh yeah, he, he he seemed like he did, like because the school he was at, he was pretty much banging every girl in the place. Supposedly, supposedly, yeah. Because all the rest of them were just too interested in playing friggin' soccer or any kind of sh- game where it was shirts and skins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, yelling, the, at the, yelling at the fat guy to take his shirt off. He's like, come on, just one more. I had to tell you one more time. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the biggest flaws of the movie is that I never knew it was a flashback, flashback or, not. or not. Oh, okay. Especially with the gym teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who seemed like the same exact way, yeah, whether it was at the taint or not, you know? Yeah, he's an asshole regardless. It's awesome. It's like that's the best. Like, yeah, he's just a big jerk off no, ma- no matter what. Yeah, in the last twenty minutes, it was freaking bonkers. He's like, we're just a bunch of erect dicks for, uh, chasing him around, and him shooting them off with his per- perfect shot. By the way, this guy's a crack shot at shooting off dicks because yeah, one shot, one one blow off the little head, man. Just boom, 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 boom. You know. <laughs> And the one the one thing I, I kind of liked about this is that a lot of the a lot of the scenes with women getting killed or crushed or let on fire, and then they kind of do a zoom in or a, a close up shot of a woman's face like half beat up or half half demolished. The eyes are still moving in the mouth. It's like you know because they just use like you know they use computer graphics and just cut an eye out here, cut out a mouth and, and just add it onto whatever kind of dummy they were using for it. And I always thought that was really interesting of the fact where like all chaos breaks out and one of the and a woman goes, oh, no. And she looks up and then the camera flows up and it's just a CGI plane crashing into a building. (laughs) It's like but it looks really it doesn't look crappy. You know what I mean? It actually comes off as kind of somewhat feasible compared to like, you know, some some films that are made by big business, you know, filmmakers where it's like they put so much money into these into the CGI and it just looks kind of awful, you know. And these guys practically probably probably didn't even have that much cash to do this film, and it looks kind of comparable, you know. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I understand. But um, but uh, anything else you want to say about the taint? Um, no. Go see it. Go find it, and then kill women. That's pretty much all I have to say about it. <laughs> I, I'm I know with that last part, you know, but uh, watch the taint and form your own opinion because my opinion is I'm not calling it. It's called tainted, you know. But I I. There's certain parts about it that take me out of it, which is why I don't like it as much as I should. Although yeah. I, I did like it more this time around. Yeah. Because you could appreciate that it's only 75 minutes of this. And, you know, if it was like 95 minutes, you would really be not liking it all that much because they add more and more stuff to it. And Oh, yeah. I don't think you could go past like 70 minutes on this film. If they did like ten, five minutes more, I think they would have would have really shot their load. You know, no pun intended. <laughs> But yeah, it just would it would have been terrible. Like a lot of a lot of independent guys who do films like this, they always it seems like they all have to get to the ninety minute mark, you know. And the film kind of suffers at that, you know, for that. If you have an eight seventy minute movie idea or seventy minute strip script, do it. Just do it as is. You don't have to add anything. Maybe add a little more violence if you want, or or a couple of scenes of like gore, but don't go any further in the storyline. 
You know, once you once you hit that wall, like in this film, it it for me it 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 completely pleases me. Right when it hits the very end, when you know he falls to his knees and it goes into that weird ass psychedelic scene of all these swaying penises behind him in the black and white, and then it cuts the credits, and I'm like, all right, if they went any further past that, I'd be like, okay, you guys really just fucked it up. Because he's clearly out of ammo after all the the dick shot off he did in that that one scene on his skateboard. <laughs> He's running around covered in blood and semen with the American flag draped around his shoulders, shooting dicks off. Because <laughs> that, that's the American way, really. You know, if you think about it, he's just, just shooting dicks off, you know, with the on your skateboard with your hipster. He's, he's kind of a hipster in this movie, which kind of another thing that really took me out of it. Is your, if, if I don't like your main character killing folks and he's just a douchebag throughout this whole movie, I just like, okay, that's another thing that took, took me out of this film was our, our, our hero being so fucking stupid. With all with all of his sunglasses and you know thinking he's oh all the he thinks he's so cool but most of the women are dying I doubt the women that are left would want to fuck him I'm just throwing it out there <laughs> and then, uh, yeah but I, I like it okay but yeah. but uh, we'll do we'll do scores now uh, one through ten Vaughn what do you give it uh, a ten <laughs> like a nine and a half I guess that's fine you want to give it a ten I don't care. I'll give it a 10. Mine, 10. Mine's going to be substantially lower, but you know, that's, that's, doesn't take anything away from the film. Like I said, watch it to form your own opinion. My mine's right around the middle of the road. I give it around a five, you know, not, not from like, not that I haven't had fun with these films before. I have, I have fun with a lot of these films, but I, I like the characters in those films. Yeah. And this, this, this film doesn't have any likable people that I could think of where I could get behind. It's like, yeah, I really hope he wins in the end. It's like, no, I hope this guy gets his head crushed. Like the rest of the women in this film, because it's kind of a douchebag, you know. Yep. But you don't get that until, of course, you'll get it all in this movie. But if it happened at the very beginning, you wouldn't have much of a movie. You just would have to, like, you know, that's it. <laughs> no more Phil. <laughs> but, um, get right to this. We'll uh, go right into our second feature, which is The Breakfast Club. See you guys soon. Okay.
Good morning. Uh, good evening, fans. This is Bill Thornberry at the Santa Bee Podcast. Just uh, wishing you a wonderful day, and keep tuning in, and we'll keep you posted about things that are happening around our world. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. From John Hugh, creator of Mr. Mom and National Lampoon's Vacation, and writer-director of Universal's 16 Candles, comes another hit, The Breakfast Club. It is now 7.06. You have exactly eight hours and 54 minutes to ponder the error of your ways. Any questions? Yeah. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? A brain, a beauty, a jock, a rebel, and a recluse. I can't believe this is really happening to me. Before this day is over, they'll break the rules. <coughs> Chicks, can I hold a smoke? That's what it is. Bear their souls. I'm an nymphomaniac. Are your parents aware of this? Take some chances. Being bad feels pretty good. Huh? And touch each other in a way they never dreamed possible. Why'd you do that? Because I knew you wouldn't. Oh. The Breakfast Club. They only met once. I don't want to be alone anymore. You don't have to be. But it changed their lives forever. I mean, I consider you guys my friends. I'm not wrong, am I? Universal Pictures presents Emilio Estevez, Paul Gleason, Anthony Michael Hall, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, and Ali Sheedy in a John Hughes film. Why are you being so nice to me? Because you're letting me. The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club from 1985. Uh, plot synopsis of this, five high school students. All different stereotypes meet in detention where they pour their hearts out to each other and discover how they have a lot more in common than they think they do. Uh, this, of course, is is uh, directed by and written by the late John Hughes, which is an Illinois boy. I can get behind that. Uh, main cast, a lot of folks you know, <laughs> including Emilio Estevez, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, Ali Sheedy, you know, all those folks from the 80s that you, you either know and love or you know and hate, you know. Um, Vaughn. You're the only yeah. one I know that doesn't like this movie in, 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 in any kind of way. Why don't you like The Breakfast Club? Why don't I like The Breakfast Club? I don't, I don't like it because it's one of these films that was kind of thrown down my throat as a kid. Oh, you, you're going to love this movie. You're going to like a lot of John Hughes films where it's just like, oh, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. It's like, no, no. Like, and there's only maybe like, I think, two John Hughes films I really like, and that's Sixteen Candles and Uncle Buck. Everything else I think is kind of yeah, this middle of the road kind of 80s claptrap. Even, was it Plane, Trains, and Automobiles? Everybody's like, you don't like that movie? I'm like, no, it's too sentimental. It gets really freaking, it, it, that's what he does. He pulls you at the, he pulls at your heartstrings. You have, you'll have all this enjoy this crap, and at the end, you find John Candy's, you know, alone, and he's, that's the only reason he's kind of been hanging around Martin the whole damn time. You're like, fucking son of a bitch. With this film, I just don't like the fact that it's so, like, you know, every character is just one cliche after another, after another, after another. And the fact that, the Molly Ringwald character is such like a, you know, she's, you know, Miss Pris. And then you have, you know, the uh, John, the John, well, he's, a, you know, such a nerd. And then you have the Judd Nelson character who's the loner. And it's like, what was it? Um, Ali Sheedy, who's the, like the weird girl. And the only reason everybody kind of takes interest in her is after she like gets all dolled up and shit. And then Amelia Estevez wants to bone her. It's like, really motherfucker. That's another thing I hate about his stuff. Like it's, what is it? Uh, Pretty in pink. You have the one, the one chick that friggin' Molly Ringwald's character is friends with, who's, you know, she really doesn't have like a style. She kind of changes her style week to week. And the only way guys look at her nice is when she, she's all dolled up and becomes average like everybody else. You're like, fucking shit. So, like, automatically, the, the film kind of just irked me when I was a kid. And it's continued to irk me. It's like this and like St. Elmo's Fire. Um, films where people, when I was growing up, were like, oh, these are great films. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's like, just with this film, it's like there's there's too much like the comedy just doesn't work to me. It, the, the comedy works, but then when he tries to shoot these sentimental things in there, it just feels so out of place. Like it should be this kind of weird, goofy comedy where they're all trying to get out of this place and they're all trying to coming to terms with the fact that they need to kind of work together to get out of detention on Saturday. But it's like, oh no, we have to do that. Do we have to figure out each other's issues and and you know learn to love each other? And it's like. Ugh. <laughs> well, they're there for like well, ten hours. Like they talk about, they something. about something. 
Yeah, I know. But I mean, like, it's just it's something that you would not like to me. It's something I never dealt with in high school. I never dealt with this this amount of like try like other people's garbage. Like unless I was dating somebody, that's the only time I really had to deal with so much garbage on someone's about someone's life. And like the fact that everybody's parents are such shit. Like, and I understand that there's a concept of, of, of being a kid that age where you feel like there's a lot of weight. There's, there's a ton of pressure and the, the weight of the world's on your shoulders, but the way he writes it and the way he puts it together, is just, it feels that like they're the only ones like they're like, they're not like their parents are working like, you know, shitloads of hours to, to cover to make sure that they do everything or like, and it just makes the parents like look like total fucking pieces of shit, you know? And it, they probably are. I mean, like, I don't know, but that you never really get to meet them. You only see them when they pick up, they drop the kids off and pick them up, you know? And they're all like, and they all have these expectations. Like, cause I guess when I was a kid, I didn't have that kind of crap. My parents were just like, you know, do whatever makes you happy. And you know, we're not going to sit there and, you know, give you shit about it. You know, with this, it's like, everybody has such a kind of high standard, even, even the Judd Reinhold character, who's a fucking, you know, like, he's a douche, or at least that's what, like, he comes off as. He's actually, you know, a, a decent guy when you really get to know him. You're like, really? Like, I knew guys like him back in high school. They weren't good guys. Even if you got to know them, they were still terrible friggin' people that are probably going to be, that are probably in jail right now. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I, I knew people like pretty much every kind of person like this, except for maybe the jock character. Most of the people I knew who were into into sports and into football were, you know, somewhat decent people who didn't have parents who pushed them around, you know, and it just, it irks me the whole time. And people sit there and, and continue to, you know, backslap, you know, John Hughes and give him all this credit. And it's just like, yeah, okay. He had a couple of good films in the eighties. And it's like, he got more and more delusional and, you know, kind of gave up on, on Hollywood and ultimately died because of just, you know, you know, old age, not even old age. He just died because he didn't take care of himself. And, you know, and like, what was it? There was a movie that came, a documentary came out like the year before he died. It was being made, I think, the year before he died. Um, and it was this documentary where it was these ultra fans and they were going all around. They were doing interviews with past people who worked with him, like actors and actresses and producers and everything like that. And they were trying to get him to get out of his kind of hole and, you know, do this interview with them. And he rightly declined. And the, and the, and the, the whole doc is pretty much this big kind of, you know, like it's this big circle jerk about how much they love his movies and blah, blah, blah. And every and pretty much everyone they talk to says the same thing. They all keep saying the same thing, how how he was such a, an interesting person and his scripts were so kind of hit to the heart of what kids were going to at that time. And it's like kids were going through that shit all the time. Like it's not like just the 80s where the kids were so precious. You know what I mean? The kids in the 60s were just as, you know, had a lot more shit going on. And the kids in the 70s and the kids in the 80s and the kids in the 90s. And it's just like, really? Like the whole me generation idea of the 80s just and is another thing that really irks the hell out of me. Uh, I've been ranting for a couple minutes, so you want to say something? No, you, no this is all good stuff. This is all keep it going. Keep it going. No, but the thing, like, it's just he, he was given too much car blanche, I guess you could say. You know, um, John Hughes. He was just like, you know, he, he had all these films that kind of worked in the 80s. And then, you know, as, like, it started getting closer, like, what? Like, I'm trying to think. What was the last thing I saw? Like, he wrote, like, like he wrote a lot of great, interesting films. But the, the problem with him was that, like, as they started taking more and more of the control away from him, he started just getting more and more, like, crazy about it. Like, oh, I can't do this. Like, and, like, like Curly Sue was, like, the last film that he, like, wrote, directed, I think, and, like, was one of the producers on. And then everything else after that is either producer or writer. And it's not like, it's not all that great. If you look at the stuff after Curly Sue and Curly Sue isn't even that good. It's kind of a, it's kind of a real mid-level film, you know? And I know he wrote, he wrote Dutch, like, which is a film that I really yeah, like. I'm a fan of them. Yeah, I'm too. a fan of them too. But like, I think it's because he kind of went out of his, like he went, like he kind of brought back the whole idea of what Uncle Buck was all about in that film. And that's what I feel. That's why that film works for me. But if he directed it, I think it wouldn't be as good as it turned out to be. You know, because there's kind of weird edges on that film and there's there's weird moments in that film. Just he, he wouldn't have let happen, you know, as a director, even if he had a producing credit on it, I think he wouldn't have let happen. You know, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have hired Ed O'Neill to be that character. He would have hired somebody else. He would have hired somebody much funnier and it wouldn't have been as kind of dark as it was with the, with Ed O'Neill playing that character. 
You know, Owen O'Neill's perfect Owen in that character. In that character. Oh, he's awesome in that character. It's just a, it's just the right amount of um, funny and the right amount of darkness in that kind of you know in that character. The fact that he's just just, just a little off, and he's you know you, you know he she shouldn't be trusting him to go to go get her kid, but she does it anyway because she loves him. And it's just like yeah, if one of them doesn't come back with like a like missing a finger, like you're lucky, <laughs> you know. And the script in that film is great, and the script in this film is okay too, but it's not. It's not like like how people tell me like all the time with this film. It's like, oh, it's just it really, you know, it was one of those films that I loved as a kid. It's like then we rewatch it. I think there'll be a lot of things, especially if like you're a person who has kids and those kids are around that age. And you rewatch this film now, you'll totally kind of just I don't know. It's just a feeling where it's just like you just you'll feel the screw pulling in your back, and you're like, oh, why the fuck did I like this movie? You know, like unlike like stuff like Sixteen Candles, which is just pretty much like a com, it's like a college rom comedy done in you know, co- high school, um, you know, one of those kind of sex comedies. But like everything else, it's like he tries you know drama with like Pretty in Pink, and I can't stand Pretty in Pink because the two nerdy characters, two oddball characters, are completely hated in that film by everybody. But until they change, and you're like, fuck, what the hell? Like, you know, you got Ducky, who's a perfect character and a perfect person. And he's just you know really unique. And it's just like nobody really wants to give him a shit. No one wants to give him the time of day because of how off the wall and unique he is. And it's just like, you know, and uh, I don't know. I'm just, uh, it's just, it just drives me nuts because everybody sits there and, you know, bangs on about this. And people, and then like with Kevin Smith now, like how, well, at least when he started, all his films were kind of in that same vein of kind of John Hughes, like in the same kind of world um, building type of idea. Because all, all those kind of films, 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink, this film, um, trying to think what other ones. Then they all kind of see, feel like they're in the same kind of world. You know what I mean? Like either like within the same kind of towns or in the same kind of district, you know, and maybe at some point. Yep. Yep. Just like that's what Kevin Smith was like his first three or four films where it was like everything felt like, oh, you these people would meet each other at some point or cross paths. And I never I wasn't a big fan of Kevin Smith. And I'm from the area. You know, I live in the area where he where he made those first three films. You know what I mean? Clerks, I mean, you know, the, the quick stop where he made it is pretty much down the street from me. It's, it's you know, it's the next town over. And I just, I don't know, I just, I can't stand those films. I think it's just because of the whole fact that he was so kind of lumbered in with John Hughes that it just drove me friggin' nuts. And it just kind of drove me away from me actually trying to enjoy those films. I should probably watch those films now and see if I actually kind of enjoy them and if I can get around, get my head past the whole idea of, uh, John Hughes nowadays with him. Yeah, see the whole thing yeah, with John Hughes around right here is, um, um, is the, 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 the local the, aspect, the local of, aspect it. of it. Because yeah. you look at the film like Ferris, Ferris Bueller, Ferris Bueller mm-hmm. it, it spits the city of Chicago in your face. face. Yeah, well, yeah, I can see that. You know, the way that film is shot, yeah, it definitely, it definitely paints a really interesting picture of, that, of, of Chicago. Whereas in this film, Whereas in this film they're, from, they're from Shermer, Illinois, Shermer, Illinois which is a fictional yeah. town. <laughs> Uh-huh. They're from Desplaines, Illinois. Actually, that's where this that's where takes place. Take place, yeah. which is about an hour which away. From me. Me. Oh, okay. And and it's very white it's very area, white area, very suburban yeah. area. There's a casino there now. Casino there not, not back in those days, of course. You know, but right. And, and these kids fit these kids fit right in there, right in there. So oh, really? so if you know the area, you kind of kind of helps things along. You know, okay. I I don't know. Like I live in like I live in the suburbs and like. Like I said, there's there are kind of critiques and kind of people who bang on those kind of characters. But the thing that I always hated about his films is that he always kind of he slammed it home that these that these characters are just this. They're very one note. There is nothing past what they are. And like they'll grow up and they'll continue to evolve and be the same kind of people, you know, and they'll never really grow out of that kind of mold that he created for them. So like when I remember people talking about them doing a sequel to this maybe five or six years ago. And I'm like, how could you do that? Would it be like, a, it'd be like, um, like a reunion, like, like a, like a 20 year school reunion. And they got locked in a room or something like that. That, w- that would be so stupid for two hours. Like it's like, what the hell they, they, they did that with the, uh, the American pie films but the last one, I think it was oh, where it was. Oh, like, oh. Yeah. And that movie was just kind of awful because they couldn't, because they just had to kind of go for the group, the grotesque and the boob jokes and the nudity to kind of make up for the kind of fact that these characters are really, you really couldn't get past the fact that, you know, the main guy fucked the, fuck the, you know, an apple pie, 
you know, and that's pretty much all his character is. And you can't, I don't know how they did with that, how they did like 16 fucking spinoff films and like three or four different sequels. Because they changed the like, character. Yeah, I know. So, what's, but, like, what's like, Stifler's like, 35? It's, 35 like, more. it's like more. No, no, it's not. Even when he's like in his, yeah, when he's like in his 30s, yeah, it's just like, oh, this isn't, this isn't, no, no. Ugh. But, um, I don't know. but, um, this film, yeah. this film, like I said, stereotypes galore. galore. I mean, not I mean, necessarily in a bad way, way, but I knew every kid in this movie. Yeah, you know, I, I knew yeah, my, I buddy, knew my buddy, buddy, Bobby Fink, Bobby Fink whose parents were parents exactly the same exactly way as the Anthony Michael Hall characters. characters. And they expected they a great thing. I remember they let him watch they things, watch do things, do things. Just a school, 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 school. And and he he lacked the street smarts because of that. He just knew book smarts. He gets asked a lot, a lot. Wow. And yeah, I can see why yeah, a kid like that would want to off themselves, themselves. Which is the plot point in this movie. Why he's yeah. in detention. Which you think you'd get a psychiatrist or something, but not like put him in detention. That's not the solution, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never knew that. Emilio Estevez's character, but I can imagine his parents out there that pushed him for athletic superiority. Superiority, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it. My cousins used to do cheerleading when they were younger, like 12 years old. I've seen grown I've seen men, grown men yell at yell six-year-old six kids on the football, field. football field, and I want to kick oh, yeah. those parents' asses. Yeah, I see that now. My my two uh, nephews are uh, eight, seven, and eight, and they play football. And you just you sit there and you watch, and there's something. You know, the parents who get a little too into, it, and you're like, what the fuck? like? And it's like, yeah, no, somebody needs to tranquilize that guy and put him in the car. It's like just no. And I, I kind of I. I I kind of stay away from going to football games every once in a while. I'm like, yeah, I'll stay home. Because <laughs> that really just yeah, frustrates the hell out of me. But uh, like, but, uh, like, you said, like you said, John, he, John was, was pretty much four pretty stars. Much stars. How old are you, yeah. how are you, how are you Vaughn? Uh, I'm 34. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm two, years two years behind. Not that far, not off. That far off. But like I said, but like it's so local. It, so local. it, it made it, it, more, it special. more special. Yeah. Like, uh, like, uh, like the Home Alone like the films. Home his house his is house, uh, not uh, far from my aunt lives. My aunt lives. Oh, really? I could walk I could there from my house and I was show you where it is. Show you basically, where it is. basically you know? That's cool. And um and um that's that's what that's that's made me though. Those John just wanted, wanted, wanted the, the local the, the local way that they I I knew where all these places were places were much like the Kevin Smith ones the Jersey ones for you she don't like those so so well they just draw like it's like it's the the thing with with the Kevin Smith films is not and more than, you know, more effective the whole John Hughes, you always getting mocked and, you know, kind of put in that same basket. But like after those films came out and they were big, a lot of people I know who didn't live in this area, when they'd come down to hang out, they'd want to go and do that crap, you know, and go see this or see that. And he has, he has a comic book store, um, which I think he uses for that reality show. Yeah. Red Bank. Yeah. Red, Red Bank. Red, yeah. And Red Bank. And, that place, I don't know if they show it all that much in the, in the, um, uh, they don't show them past the first, you know, the, the, the main, uh, cashier register, um, spot, but that, that, that place is pretty much a mausoleum to those, like, I think up until, and maybe even there's stuff during the last couple of films, but it's up until maybe Jade, Silent Bob strike back. It used to be all like memorabilia props and like other stuff, like it was just littered throughout the whole, the back half of the, uh, the comic book store. Like, so you had the first half where they'd have, you know, whatever was coming out that week, and then they'd have, like, a couple of long boxes. And then the back half of the place was just pretty much covered in glass cases. And I think they had the they had the, the two cars, or at least one of the cars from uh, from Jane Silent Bob Strike Back sitting right there in the middle. And it's just covered in stuff. And friends of mine would always want to go there, and it just, it kind of, after a while, it just got really old. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like going to the Quick Stop when I was when I was a kid. Sure, cool to show people that. But the fact that that place hasn't changed in like thirty years, like, you know, it's still the same freaking place that when he was working there. The video store is long gone, but like this, the Quick Stop's still there, and it still looks the same from when he worked there. Um, and it's just like, well, when you go into that, when people bring want to go see that place, it just feels like 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 a tomb. You know what I mean? Of these guys, like you know, better work. And like I've heard, I've heard interesting things about the last two films he's done, but I just haven't been interested in really even kind of renting them or it's kind of giving him any kind of cash. I understand. I understand. Yeah. So. But um. But um. Yeah. This one. Yeah. This one. Uh, compared to other compared to other works, works. Like it. Like it. 
I think I'd, I'd say this is like cream, the crop, cream of the crop because it's not a comedy, not but comedy, there is jokes in there. in there. It's not really a it's drama either, drama. but there is dramatic, dramatic scenes dramatic in here scene. where basically all their angst all comes out to the forefront. forefront. Bender's Bender, shitty home shitty life. life. Uh, uh, what's expected what's of our Emilio Esves character. Uh, you don't know much uh, about Ali She's character at all, except for the fact that she lies a lot, apparently. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, that, that yeah. that's pretty much that's it, you know. Because you know, of course, you have your course, uh, your massive authority your massive figure, <laughs> our, our principal our character, principal who who plays plays the role pretty well. Well, yeah, I, I think he's I, basically, I, basically that that thing that, that thing these kids want to shit on because he's basically trying to shit on them. He's looking yeah. their their files to see what he can get on them and stuff. Yeah, he's always trying to turn the rock to to figure out something to. Nab them so we can stay. They can stay there for another Saturday. Yeah, but that's the only character I like. Out of all the characters in there, I feel that that character is the most flushed out. You know what I mean? He's not in the film long. He's not in the film long. I think that's the other reason why I kind of don't mind his character because he's not in there that long. He's in there, you know, sparringly. And these characters are so kind of just continuous, where it's like you're given you're given just enough with him, where you're like, all right, he's a dick. You know, you can totally get a get it behind that you understand why they don't particularly care for him and and why no one would particularly care for him it doesn't look like a person who outside of work would be any different um than this with these characters with the rest of them it's just like there's so much to them that you're like but it feels like there's you're missing something you know what i mean that like he gives you a good enough of a of a hole around it but they feel like there's something just like a big cut in there like a big piece of pizza missing from in their overall story plot, you know. Oh, they're they're basically oh, they're cartoon basically characters, characters of so their personas yeah, that they're playing. Playing Judd Nelson, in particular, Judd Nelson, particular, you know, you know, mm-hmm. with this whole with this whole yelling and yelling, being, loud being loud, and I'm as tough as I'm I want to be, but I'm a soft spot, spot, spot inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the bang the prom queen, and deep down inside, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing that gets me the most is, uh, uh, I'm gonna say these, I'm gonna say these, these kids nowadays kids, feel, so old, feel so old, you know, that watches them like ABC them. Family, the neutered version of it, and think they're watching the real thing. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's so quotable, you, you, you can't get that on the, the the TV version of it. Basically, how quotable it is. Yeah, it really. It, it, like, like I said, I'm not really a fan of this, but when when you do see this on like yeah, pay when you see it on paid cable. When it's just usually they have to litter it with commercials and they have to cut it down for time because they have to make it within a two hour block. Um, so, you know, maybe like 10, 15 minutes of that film gets knocked out. Plus, every kind of curse or any kind of innuendo gets, you know, neutered or fabricated, you know, newly fabricated to fit in the television. It just really kind of it kills it, you know, it really waters it down. It's like, uh... but they, they can make a, a show about. Teen girls who kill a friend and then try to cover it up and make a a multi-season show out of it, and that that's okay, yeah. you know. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's just like okay, that makes no fucking sense. Teen dramas for children. Yeah. No, it's not the grassy junior high people. It's all I'm saying, you know. At least, at least they had real situations back in those shows, as as fleshy and, and Canadian as they were. They were still real situations. <laughs> oh boy. But yeah, I I am I'm, I'm a fan of John Hughes. I can't help these things. I can't. This was if, if if it wasn't if it wasn't VHS horror, it was it was films like John Hughes was making back in the day. But that was pushed down my throat because that these were either either you love or you hate them. Yeah. Va- Vaughn, all, all the problems you have with them are are very right. very valid, and I, I agree <laughs> with you. You know why you don't like it, but I I I can't I can't I can't see that you're wrong, but but I can. Because yeah. <laughs> for for a lot of reasons I why I love these movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love Pretty in Pink. That's why I fell in love with Annie Potts, and I'm still in love with Annie Potts. You know, right. yeah. As, as dumb as she dresses in that movie, when she dons their prom dress, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna hit that one day. You know that kind of deal. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would yeah, say yeah. if you're listening, Annie Potts, you know, my phone number is no, it's just a. <laughs> I don't care if you're older. I I, I still go for you. You know. Uh, yeah. I'm one of those guys who's an avid uh, an avid fan of Helen Mirren. I do strange things to that old woman. You know, come on now. <laughs> but um, yeah. Anything else you want to say about the Breakfast Club? I think I think I've made my peace. <laughs> Are you at peace? 
Uh, no, never at peace with John Cleese. Never. <laughs> but yeah, all, all the things I said, and, uh, all the things Vaughn said is, um, it's valid stuff, you know. But um, we'll do grades now, I guess. Uh, what do you give one through ten, Vaughn? Uh, I'll give it a four. That's low, man. Ah. Yeah. And I, I, like I said, it's just certain. It's just, it just rubs me the wrong way, you know. And That's it's fine. Just, it's, it's something you should see, but it's not in, like, you know, I don't know, you know. It's just, it's not something that I would, I would, you know, I'm gonna cheer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get on the rooftop and start, you know, praising for, you know. <laughs> I'm more like, I'm under the car, kind of telling you about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Yeah. My score for this film is, it's kind of hard not to be biased, you know, being a product of the time I came out of and the area I came out of. But I'll, I'll give it a solid seven for the non-neutered uh, Breakfast Club because watch it on Netflix, kids. Don't watch it on ABC Family. Yeah, yeah. That's bad news. <laughs> are, there, yeah, are, there, are there better John Hughes films? Hell yeah, there are better John Hughes films. If you, yeah, that's how I watched it. And then my wife was like, oh, wait, I have this on DVD. And we watched it. And I watched it from the beginning. And I was like, because she she's sitting there watching it, really enjoying it because she likes that movie. And I'm like. Just see the next arm, like. Uh... So you want to watch it for laughs? You're you're watching the wrong movie. I I guess some genuine laughs out of this film. Yeah. I mean, I, anything Jed Nelson says, pretty much, you know, gold in my opinion. Because, but you see, he's a cartoon version of himself, and oh uh, boy, you get up, we'll get up, it'll be anarchy, you know, stuff like that. You know, it, it makes me happy. But uh, seven for me is my unbiased score. If I had my way, it'd be a ten. But you know, it to be it to be uh. <laughs> Had to be subversive when you're reading films for podcasts. So, but um, yeah, that's about it for this one. We we'll right back to uh, close out the show. Motion Picture Massacre is dedicated to exploitation, cult, grindhouse, and horror films from the last seventy five hundred fucking years. I don't fucking know. It's everything. If you're interested in that? Check out motionpicturemassacre.com, or if you're on iTunes, search Motion Picture Massacre, and you'll find it. This has been your announcer. Cowardly fuck your bags. Signing off. Eat a dick. Hi, I'm Mike White. And I'm Rob St. Mary. And we're the hosts of the Projection Booth Podcast. If you haven't heard of the Projection Booth, that's okay. But we think it's time that you have. We've been doing this for over three years now. And we think we're doing a pretty good show. Every week we look at a different film and put it in context. We try to bring you interviews with the people behind the films. Or experts on a subject matter covered in the film. We don't specialize in any one particular genre or type of film. We try to examine every aspect of cinema. From every corner of the globe. Even at three years, we barely just scratched the surface. But we're ready. We're ready for you to listen to us. That's right. Now's the time to give us a shot. Download us through our free smartphone app. Or through Stitcher, iTunes, Geek Juice Radio, Jackalope. Or our website. Projection-booth.com. We'll keep making great shows. Now it's your turn to listen to them. Yeah, Vaughn, uh, thanks for coming on, brother, and taking the time. Really appreciate it. Man, don't mention it. Like I, like I said, when you when you sent me something, I was like, I was thinking about actually emailing you, and going, "Hey, <laughs> what are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just kind of it just kind of hit because I was thinking about doing that like the day, then like when I got home that night when you sent me something, I was like, "Oh, cool, all right, we're thinking the same way." <laughs> yeah, fishing for co-hosts, you know, it, it happens, you know. No, it was fun though. It was fun. I get to finally get some of that vitriol out of my. Uh, my body about John Hughes. It was nice. I think I'm going to sleep very well tonight. That's beautiful. You got anything coming up at all, brother? Um, no, I'm, I'm thinking that probably, probably somewhere in the middle of October, I'm going to start recording again. I just, it's been really chaotic with the summer, my job, and we're kind of, we're winding down, but like by the end of October, beginning of November, we're going to wind, start winding back up for Christmas. And it's just like, uh, but I think, I think I've been, I've been kind of, relax enough where I haven't had to worry about podcasting or any kind of other thing going on with this beautiful uh, hobby of mine where I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just do a Zen and just kind of start fresh, you know? <laughs> so hopefully probably in the middle of October, I'm going to start just recording yeah. again, get everything. But like I said, there's like 172, 173 episodes of the show out there. So if you want to go out and you can just go from the, the I wouldn't tell you to start from the beginning, but <laughs> maybe like three episodes in and then, Kind of go go from there. I should you listen to no back back episodes of Cinema Beef. You're all awful. <laughs> but um, there's, but, some, there's some decent ones in there. 
Well, you got some well, decent co-hosts in there. I'm glad you enjoyed. That's what keeps you fueled. This is the fuel that keeps it going is the co-host, so you know. <laughs> um, where can they find your show? Uh, motionpicturemasker.com. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I got um some stuff happening. The commentary show is always happening. We do them every Friday night to, to record them and hopefully uh, attentive every Wednesday release date for one. The Troll 2 one came out recently as we're recording this, and I think the next one that comes out is the Tenacious D one, which yeah. was somewhat fun, but the one that followed was was Crazy Pants fun for No Retreat, No Surrender. Uh, t- That's a film I've always wanted to see. Yes, it's, it's, it's a... Matter, like, I've heard enough podcasts talk about it now where I'm like, yeah, I gotta check it out. The whole, like, ghost Bruce, we- Bruce Lee thing going on in that film is just bonkers. It's insanely dated, too, but in a wonderful way. That's cool. Uh, cinema beef, as you're listening to now. Yeah, I don't know who my next guest is going to be. I've been doing okay with that. The last the last episode I mentioned, you were going to be on here. So, hey, it all came, in, it came, came to fruition, see? <laughs> but you never can tell what the next one's going to be. We'll, we'll find that out real soon. Yeah. Uh, listen to me with my lovely co-host, Emily, on The Bird and the Beard. She's uh, much more attractive than myself and much more quirky and British than myself. And and she's, she's better than me in many, many ways, but you know, I I love that bird and, uh, she lives far away, but I can, I can admire her from afar basically. And if you didn't see her t-shirt, listen to the terror troop because, uh, she said so. And, uh, she looks good in her terror troop (laughs) t-shirt. I'll put the link on the show notes for you people to listen to terror troop. But, uh, yeah, find me on Twitter at GW, uh, find me on the city Facebook group, join up that group. Uh, like the bird and the beard on Facebook. She would appreciate that. I would appreciate that. And we still have that running contest going, not a contest. It's more like a raffle of for you folks to win a couple things, a uh, couple autographs, a couple other random things too. Uh, just um, rate and review us on iTunes, either this show, the bird and the beard, uh, sausage fest, yeah, sausage fest reviews. And I think two drink minimum commentaries under the, the Legion podcast feed. So, if you could find it on there, you could rate and review that either or that too, or you could just leave me a message on one of the boards, either the Cinema Beef one or any of them, just to g- give us some feedback on the show, and I will put you in the running for one of those great prizes. And uh, yeah, really easy to do. You guys could uh, win some free swag from me. But uh, Vaughn, thanks once again for uh, coming on and um, sure. come on the commentary show one time. We'll uh, we'll welcome you to open arms, man. Yeah, I'll have to see if I can get on. Yeah, they seem pretty. They they sound they're pretty fun. So I probably have to see if I can get my uh my butt together on a Friday night. Okay. Yeah, October's gonna be all horror films. People with um the last film in the series is Ernest Scared Stupid, which is gonna be released on Halloween. So l- awesome. look for that, people. <laughs> it should be a lot of fun. But uh, as always here at the Civ Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. See you guys next time. They're gonna clean up your looks with all the lies in the books to make a citizen out of you. Because they sleep with a gun and keep an eye on you, son, so they can watch all the things you do. Because the drugs never work, they're gonna give you a smirk, cause they got methods of keeping you clean. They're gonna rip up your heads, you Another cock in the murder machine They said I'll say that you're scared The living shit out of me They can kill us As long as someone will bleed So talk in your clothes Or strike a violent pose Maybe they'll leave you alone But not me The boys and girls in the Awful names at the stick You're never gonna fit in much, kid But if you're troubled and hurt What you got under your shirt We'll make them pay for the things that they did They said I'll tell you that you're scared The living shit out